Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. My name is Marco Iacchini and I'm a cross-asset strategist from the CIO team. This is the first installment of Talking Thematics, our monthly episodes on thematic investing. On today's episode, we'll discuss thematic investing at Standard Chartered Bank, how our themes have performed in the first half of 2021, and the outlook for these themes going forward. Joining me today for this conversation, I'm glad to welcome Audrey Goh, Senior Cross-Asset Strategist, and Tran Nguyen, Portfolio Strategist. So for today's conversation, we'll follow a slightly different format and go around the table to discuss these themes. So let's start with you, Audrey. What is thematic investing and what does it mean at Standard Chartered Bank? Thanks, Marco. Well, thematic investing is one way for investors to get exposure to macro trends that may not be easily traded by traditional traditional country or sector indices. Um, It has grown in popularity in recent years. And one reason for that is because many traditional indices tend to be quite backward looking with higher weights given to companies which may have demonstrated success in the past. But perhaps to a lesser degree, companies which may be up and coming and better leveraged to future areas of growth opportunities. So by focusing on thematics, investors attempt to anticipate some of these new trends under development and align his or her portfolio with potential themes that will benefit from these trends and shifts in business opportunities. Within the bank, there are two categories of themes we focus on. Cyclical theme tends to be more tactical, shorter term in nature, normally around 6 to 18 months, as well as longer term structural themes, which tends to be supported by shift in megatrends. The key goal here is to identify what are some of the long-term trends evolving and to create the relevant investment ideas to capitalize on these opportunities. However, not all trends are created equal. So some trends, it may be too early in the making and companies involved in them may not be able to profit from them effectively. And others could could, could simply turn out to be just a hype and does not offer the long-term tailwind that we need to drive multi-year outperformance. That is why when investing in themes, we should also ensure we are adequately diversified across the different opportunity sets available. Now, within cyclical themes, we expect value style to outperform growth style equities. And I know, Marco, you have done a lot of work on this area. Um, Value equities certainly have done very well year to date. However, recently, it started to underperform growth equities. So what should we make of this underperformance? And could this be an opportunity for investors? Thanks, Audrey. Um, Absolutely. So when we initiated this view, uh, improving economic activity and increasing bond yields were two catalysts underpinning the equity rotation from growth into value style equities. So it is no surprise to us that the recent retracement in bond yields has sparked a pause in the outperformance of value relative to growth. In fact, as you mentioned, we had absolute positive returns coming from value of about 16% year to date. And the outperformance versus growth has been about 1%, but we've given away about 6 to 7% in the recent months. However, we do think that the uh, drivers of outperformance are still in place. And these are a combination of one, economic growth remaining well above trend into 2022. Second, expectations for bond yields to move modestly higher over the coming months. And three, the key value sectors uh, outperformance. And here we particularly like financials and energy. Now, we also favor a weaker US dollar and areas which benefit from it. This view has panned out pretty well last year, but it's slightly more more challenged year to date, given the strength that we have seen in the dollar. 
Should we expect this recent strength to persist? And can you outline our latest thinking here? Yes. So the US dollar weakness theme has given us about a, a mixed performance here today. And that's because the US dollar index bounced after the Fed's dot plots shift, uh, breaking slightly above the 200-day moving average. And But we expect the cyclical downtrend to resume in the second half of 2021. Other catalysts uh, for the move lower are definitely the, the shift in real yields against the US uh, com- when compared to a, a group of developed countries but as well the large trade and budget deficits in the U.S. So these should pose downward pressure on the U.S. dollar. But this theme is not just a theme around a currency. It's also a theme that involves U.S. dollar weakness beneficiaries. And here, emerging markets assets, specifically in the fixed income space, have seen, even though in absolute terms, a flattish performance, uh, but they've seen relative outperformance against developed market global benchmarks. One last point that I want to mention is that the shift in Fed policy towards average inflation targeting uh, does mean that versus previous cycle, the Fed is likely to stay accommodative for longer. Now, moving on to Trang, Marco spoke about the Fed earlier, and it has been a real struggle for investors to generate yield, sufficient yield, even as the Federal Reserve is set to taper by the end of the year. So for income investors, what can he or she do to boost income in their portfolios? Thanks, Audrey. Um, where the first half of the year should bring mixed feeling to income investor, most income strategies should see a quite decent positive total return, but probably have struggled to generate enough income. Now, the 10-year bond yield actually have gone up more than 50 basis points over the same time period, and this should actually help push the income potential. However, because of the strong price gain in some of high-yielding assets, such as developed market high-yield bond, dividend equities, and non-traditional income asset, it actually pulled down the overall yield of an income portfolio that have high exposure here. So we believe that for investors, focusing solely on traditional fixed income might not be enough. Investors should look for opportunities in dividend equities as well as non-traditional income assets to not only generate enough income, but also can benefit from potential price return. Now, currently, we like Europe high DV equities. Um, this part of dividend equities currently provide about 5% yield. Fundamentally, we believe that improving earning expectation and pick up in vaccination pace in Europe should be supportive here. Another area we also like and probably worth mentioning is Asian high yield bonds. These are set currently yields around 7%. Now, while greater policy pressure on China real estate sector, which is a large part of this asset, can be a risk here, we still like Asian high-yield bonds for relatively more attractive valuation. And overall, we have seen that a credit quality have continued to improve here. Well, this is a good segue to our structural theme on yield-free risk. And certainly today's uh, starting point of higher valuation and lower yield that we are seeing across major asset classes means that for a given level of risk, uh, the returns investors are getting are unlikely to match those we have been used to in prior years. Uh, take the example of 2004, it was possible to generate a return of around 7% using a combination of cash as well as bonds alone. Today, an investor would likely need an allocation in excess of 80% to equities to generate the same level of returns. So what can investors do in this environment? Well, um, within the first of all, investors should uh, and might need to manage their expectation of potentially lower return profile going forward. Uh, 
Now, more importantly, uh, they might need to be more innovative in searching for sources of return. While well, fixed income will remain part of a core part of any income portfolio, the tactical shift toward um, high dividend equities and non-traditional income assets, including like non-financials, um, REITs, should be beneficial. Now, for investors that focus on total return, um, with equity value, valuation uh, remain elevated, um, the challenge here is that low bond yields, meaning that government bond has become less attractive as a diversifier in this environment, and especially in risk-off scenario. So we think that uh, significant allocation to risk assets uh, like equity and credit will remain important, but investors can consider a small allocation to alternative assets. And this would include um, liquid alternative as well as illiquid real assets such as private equities. Now, there are challenges in investing in this part of the market, such as you know, commitment over a long period of time, typically five to seven years, and often require capital to be locked down. But if investors can manage the liquidity needs, this asset can be a good addition to a traditional portfolio because it can potentially help enhance the overall portfolio return with lower volatility. Now, one last approach that uh, I would like uh, to mention, um, and it can, can be applied to both income and total return investor, is using leverage. Leverage in general can help enhance potential return but it also raises the overall portfolio volatility and hence the risk of margin cost. So as such, um, this approach might not be suitable for everyone, but some investors can consider using leverage on less risky assets to boost um, income and return potential. So Audrey, those are the couple of ideas that investors can consider to improve the overall portfolio return in this low-yield environment. Thanks, Trang. Moving on, our two other structural themes are climate investing and disruptive innovation. Um, on climate, this writes on the trend that the world is accelerating and its shift to a low-carbon, cleaner environment over the coming decades. Um, opportunities that we have highlighted include the renewable energy sectors such as solar, wind, as well as water. And early this year, we have seen a pickup in volatility and some price correction, particularly with regards to renewable energy. So, Marco, what are our latest uh, thinking in this area? So, uh, first and foremost, I would like to say that the global acceleration towards net zero, uh, increased corporate disclosure, individual interest in climate-related risks, and overall greater investment in portfolio flows into climate-related areas are key drivers for the performance of climate investments. And this is a theme as it is as a structural theme that is here to stay in our view for a multi-year time horizon. Now, despite the recent volatility, we have seen these drivers continue to gain traction, actually. And we believe that many parts of the climate change universe are likely to experience rapid revenue and profit growth over the coming years, supporting the strong performance of these themes, including, obviously, as we mentioned, the energy transition and water scarcity uh, themes over a multi-year horizon. Outlook today, I uh, just wanted to mention that water performed quite strongly uh, and displayed volatility in line with global equities. Uh, clean energy, uh, which solar and wind uh, are sub-themes, uh, clean energy posted single-digit returns and uh, displayed much higher volatility here. So one thing to keep in mind is that sometimes these areas can be uh, sensitive to the move in bond yields and, and react to uh, retail investor flows. Uh, we'll touch more on these in the coming episodes, I'm sure, but overall, I would say to remain uh, diversified, 
gradually build exposure and and make sure to be uh, to use market weakness to and keep a long term time horizon when investing in these themes. Well, another conviction that we have is on disruptive technology, and this has performed very well during the pandemic last year and year to date as well. Um, now that many economies are reopening up, do you expect this uh, strong performance to continue? So uh, the disruptive innovation theme is uh, similar in nature to the climate investing one, that is a multi-year, uh, multi-decade type of themes. Within it, we have identified at the beginning of the year when we published our 2021 outlook, uh, electric vehicles, internet of things, medical technology, and more recently, we also added uh, online gaming and fintech as two additional um, disruptive innovation themes. Now, uh, we continue to have conviction in the space, uh, but we have to be mindful of the fact that these are sensitive to bond yields and, gener- and generally negatively correlated to the US dollar. So they're quite cyclical in nature. And this is for us a niche way to play growth and tech stocks for the long term. Here, electric vehicles have been the best performing sub theme since our outlook, generating returns in excess of 20%. And this theme, we want to highlight that it's not just cars and, and automakers, but as well battery and supply chain uh, uh, companies that provide the materials for the for these vehicles and create the distribution network. Uh, once again, uh, a lot of these sub-themes we'll explore in our future episode, but we continue to remain uh, convicted in the space and have a multi-year horizon conviction for this theme. Great, thanks. So we have spoken about um, value equities and disruptive innovation, which is more of a growth-style um, equity. And one question that frequently come up is, how do investors balance or interplay between the two? I think it's important to remember that while we believe value style is likely to outperform over the next couple of months, investors should also have some exposure to growth equities. After all, many of the companies in growth equities, uh, for example, in technology stocks, do enjoy circular tailwinds that are likely to support their growth and earnings prospects over a multi-year horizon. So in short, both are not mutually exclusive and investors should have some exposure to both growth and value within their investment allocations. We've now come to to the end of our podcast. Uh, So thank you, Marco and Trang, for our discussion today. And I hope our listeners have found them useful. We shall go into deeper discussion in our subsequent episodes of Talking Talking Thematics. If you would like to learn more or read our reports, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us whenever you get a podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.